My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment that never I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the place of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. I haven't recorded any intro commentary for the past couple of weeks because I always get distracted around the holidays. And, uh, well, me babbling for a couple of minutes at the beginning of the show is not the most important part of the show. But I like to do it, so I'm back. This week's episode is round two of our 2000 Slam Tournament. Our feature at this show is Mr. Eitan Kadosh, member of the 1999 National Slam Championship team from San Francisco. Uh, You heard most of his set last week on part one. You'll hear him again. He's doing the calibration slash sacrificial poem at the beginning of the slam and he comes back to do a little encore at the end this was a great slam a lot of great performers great energy great audience if you've been listening to the previous podcasts you've probably heard some of these pieces before that's to be expected you got to take into consideration that this is a live uh show when you're listening to it as a podcast it it might seem a little redundant but if you were there it wasn't poets need time to work on their pieces and revise them some poems are very popular and people want to hear them again and the poetry slam was meant to be a community event and when human beings come together regularly and form a community it always becomes a little ritualistic that's the nature of people. That's just what human beings do. Then before I start babbling about anthropology and philosophy, I'm going to shut the fuck up. Enjoy the show. Oh shit, one last thing. Uh, while I'm babbling about community, uh, which is what made me think of it in the first place, we got a Facebook page. Uh, leave a comment or two. Uh, if you were there at the show and want to share a memory, or if you weren't there at the show, and just have a, anything you have to say about it. Okay, now I'm done. It was a story, really. And I don't really do it that often, so it's not like mostly memorized or anything, so, and I can't find it. I think I lost one of the pages of the story, one of the places where I tossed it around. And so I, I know I have another copy somewhere, but I don't think I can do it today. So, yeah. If I find it, I'll read it later. Um, you guys want something funny or serious? Just like in a real democracy, only the loudest voices get heard. <laughs> Fuck what most of you think. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I actually have. I don't think I've, I haven't read this at all on the tour yet. So um, this is the very first time in four weeks of touring that I've read this. So uh, it's called the Whirlwind and. Um, I don't know, I just found out my, um, 
like best high school friend is schizophrenic, so it kind of is very disturbing to me. And so that, that made me think of this poem. So I want to read this one. It's called The Whirlwind. There is a spasm at the edge of the approaching thunderhead. The violet apron above shimmers, and even flies swear they have seen this, know this to be true. There are experiences you remember and those you never forget, and they are not the same thing. And there are thoughts you pretend to understand, and those you are resigned to ignore, memories deleted, and those forcibly repressed, whole ideas lost, and nightmares restrained, retrained, memories like weather and bad backs, and families, and their histories, murky through wine and accents at holiday dinner tables. Memories like possums in your room a few years ago, and clovers for luck you used to collect them. Red Rover come over childhood games, that Cornish game hen so perfect at last Thanksgiving dinner table, and sometimes sex is like that too. Sometimes I forget what I am about to say in the instant before I utter it. Car keys are like that too. Sometimes the thought is recovered with the Norton crash guard utility of my conscience. Still, I have memories so precious, even their keys lie hidden. I have fleeting thoughts disfigure like acid. There are places we go and places put upon us. Roles we have chosen, callbacks never made. A cat stands in your way in the road. You swerve away. Just at the moment, a child steps into the crosswalk not 10 feet away, not a lifetime away, and you, you, we are choices among the choiceless. Entropy and covalent bonds in an uneasy coexistence. They kill puppies at the pound. Stone women in Afghanistan, put dark-skinned men in jail in the United States, and you can't tell anymore which trees held the branches that held, men, that held men's necks, that held choiceless frames, somewhere in limbo between heaven and earth, because even the unforgettable gets forgotten. And there are buttons whose pressing is only too terrible to contemplate, switches whose, per whose potential activation spurs treaties and treatises and newspapers which never tell the whole story. We are solitary sojourners under a gun, families under a gun, nations under a gun of memories, real, imagined, flak-jacketed, imperiled, and forgotten. And in the moments before a tornado, say those who have seen them, the sky's light shifts, shuddering off-kilter hues. And everybody knows this to be true, swears they have seen this, yet has no choice, yet has no choice, yet has no choice but to withstand the whirlwind or die trying. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Judges, write them in big numbers. Use one decimal if you want to, and hold them up high so I can see them. One, two, three, four. 
And we got five. Is my scorekeeper ready? We've got an. Hold it up, Bill. We got an 8.5. We got a 9.8. We got an 8.9. We got a 9.8. And we got a 9. Now. Just to be fair, or just because, you know, the folks at the Nationals do it that way, and they're, you know, a pedantic bunch of, never mind. We throw out the high score, and we throw out the low score, and we add the three in the middle. Time. I'm glad you asked. Three minutes, 10.15. So there will be a, a, a small, itsy-bitsy, tiny little penalty. I believe so. Yes, 0. 0.5. 27.2 is the total. Right on. Come on. Applaud the poet. You don't have to like the score. All righty. That's how it's going to work. We're just going to do that 12 more times. It's going to be great. First up for our second round is Sharon. Give her a big hand. My mother is contagious, that she's got a malignant gland in the back of her cranium, which is somehow activated, agitated, irritated whenever she happens to engage in any sort of a conversation with many an unsuspecting victim who's just trying to ask her a simple question I don't always understand what it is that she is trying to say, though it always seems to be in the same tone, the same light, the same fight over and over again loudly. And I can't help but notice as I watch her attempt simple social interaction that people's nerves start to fray, their minds stray, and that they tend to walk away, even I walk away, with a twinge, a trace, a hint of the scent of annoyance hanging on my face that can stay for days. I think my mother is contagious. Judges, write them down, hold them up. Let me see them. Okay, we've got an 8.8 .8 and an 8.8 .8 and a 9.1 and an 8.2 and an 8.7 and no time penalties. What? You didn't get them? The time. Oh, you did. 
Man, the time was two minutes, 12 seconds. We got a big hand for, for Jeff, the computer geek, because he, he wrote the program. He's keeping the scores. <laughs> what? 26.3! Oh! Okay. The list gets smaller and smaller. Next up is Drac. My fellow Americans, I'm here tonight to ask for your support as I announce my candidacy for President of the United States of America. Yeah. Ours will not be a popular campaign for Washington, but a populist campaign for America. We will use the landslide victory we expect you to hand us to introduce sweeping reforms, to reverse the current tide of the rich getting richer on the backs of the people. Many of the obscenely wealthy will fight this change. They may object to fair labor, occupational safety, environmental protection laws, or a national health care plan, but the guillotines will run day and night. In my term of office, we will listen patiently when giant multinationals ask us to commit your tax dollars, your sons and daughters, to waging war in defense of their interests abroad. We will say to those who downsized you out of a job, sorry about your luck. Try unemployment. And then we will use the projected war budget to finance all primary, secondary, and college education in this country for the rest of our term. We will investigate Bill Gates because we believe that anyone with enough personal wealth to buy the entirety of the Persian Gulf War out of pocket bears watching. The CIA, NSA, and the IRS will finally be audited by Sweden. And because, and because we will be committed to family values in a way that xenophobic inbred control freak TV preachers can only dream of, we will not have a national drug testing program until we develop a test for incompetence, but we will have a national parenting skills test. There will be trick questions. Like, what weight baseball bats should be used to discipline children under seven years? Many will fail this test, and the gibbets will groan beneath the weight. We will push once again for an equal rights amendment and for an amendment requiring our laws to be written in language plain enough to be understood by everyone. Of course, the wealthy male lawyers comprising over 90% of the Congress will resist these changes. <laughs> Run red the gutters of Pennsylvania Avenue. Now, because the media will want to keep tabs on my private life rather than on my administration's performance, ours will be the first in history to have video camcorders surgically implanted. So you'll know if we're making sound national policy or uh, choking the first chicken. In fact, we pledge to seek out bizarre, interesting, totally improper, and above all, entertaining sexual contacts. And it will be pay-per-view, with all profits used to help revitalize the space program, so that if space alien legions come with planet-sized brains to lead them and all the treasure of the universe save our own, they will never sully the sands of Tranquility Base, nor mine our polar ice in the lifespan of a thousand suns. 
Many will object to this plan. The carrion birds will blot out the sun. <laughs> Lastly, if elected, I will not get spendy haircuts at your expense. I will not get a haircut, period. <laughs> you see, I want to restore to this great office some of the respect and decency it once held. I want to restore trust because you really can trust anybody with a gun to their head, and I want to trust you the way I know you all trust me. Thank you. All right. Let's see how the judges vote. Team, okay, team effort, that's good. We've got an 8.5. And an 8. And a 9.1. And a 9.2. And a 9.2. Come on, audience. Time, three minutes, 31 seconds. We still love him. Come on. Still vote for you. 25.3 for Uncle Drack. Next on the list. Julian. Is he ready? Yeah. They say that empathy has its downfalls. So tell me, tell me because I need to know like this sun trapped between desire assimilating this unknown broken culture anarchy. Methodologies, transparent walls compounding you between walls of asbestos spiced desires. Waiting, excavating moral satire for a god to alter your state, to lift you from behind this mirror where you sing scorched songs, dwindling between sanity and dishonor, finishing what Jesus started, waiting for someone, anyone, to see you without seeing themselves. And I apologize, but I can't see you anymore because the last time, the last time I stared you down the way you wanted me to, you pinned me between these two class A carcinogens, explaining to me the stupidity of sexual innocence, your eyes brazing light, solitary fingers of ruby, the importance of love, real love, sex dizzying up morals, drunk with science, the kind of love that makes you feel good, you said, the bitter taste of your sweat on my lips, and now... Now, some days I can hear you wheezing, coughing up your nicotine asbestos-spiced lungs, and I close my eyes, remembering that night. It's dilated black orifice, bright light, electric-studded paranoia flowing. I'm closing my ears now, remembering that night I looked a cop in the eye and said, that motherfucker, that motherfucker is not my brother. And then you came from within your walls, concealing you into denial, into your synthetic swirling apostasy. I love you. I really love you. And then you disappeared. Now, sitting here alone, I wish you were here again so I could read to you my On the Road, my Mayakovsky translations, my 12 different versions of Rimbaud, but I can't because now I am caught between these poisons. 
Now I am a poet. Now I have seen the rotting carcass that democracy has passed like a kidney stone in a filthy Woodstock porter potty. Now I have began my life, and I am caught here from only which you can free me with your apology, with your sadness, with your pain, with your love, your real love. So tell me now, brother, because I need to know, do you really love me? Having fun? Good. Hold them up, judges. Come on. It's your job. Come on. Up, 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 up. We've got an eight and a 9.3 and a 9.4 and a 9.3 and a 9.5. And the time was two minutes and 15 seconds. 28.0 for Julian. Give me a big hand. Remember, it doesn't end here. I'm torturing them all month long. Next month, you know, next year, I'll compete and we'll have, you know, we'll do it in one night. <laughs> we'll just, you know, get it over with. But this year, I'm going to make you all suffer. Okay, up next, Aaron. I avoid moving through these rooms for years, and the house will remember nothing of the blue bedroom dryer heating up, tennis shoes thumping on the delicate psycho well. Hands push and pull out the gray lint. No one likes to empty the bones out of the refrigerator, and the shoes come clean. I try to forget my underwear, dirty, sad, sulking on the floor. I pick myself up. His shadow looms below the ceiling fan as the dryer screams to a halt. I imagine that I am the white bones in the fridge, slowly drying from the inside out in a cold sweat. He extends his hand to me. I am Velcroed to the gray carpet, the hairs on my back on invertebrate imprinted fossilized into the floorboards. The way he pushed me down, I felt my head crack beneath the weight of my body. The dryer's spinning rhythmic loud thrusts muffle my escape. I close my eyes and think about the chicken bones rotting chilled in a Ziploc bag. My mouth, teeth clenched so as not to let the maggots out or in. My bones and cartilage rotting with each of his fingerprints tread, sweating into my lips, locked around my teeth. I think about biting or screaming, but I know that I, I am a bad girl. So I let my mind slip into the rhythm of the ceiling fan, circling and circling, making a halo around his head. I try to push myself out of my body, but I don't wear socks when I go to bed. And he is inside my Ziploc bag, letting all of his maggots in. 
planting the seeds that try to do more than overpower me into death. The house will remember nothing as we speak in hushed tongues over the phone. A panic sweeps over my breath as his shadow looms over me. His hand slips in mine and there is nothing I can do to avoid the seas of cramps that stink, sink in my lungs when I pass an empty dark room. I sleep with the lights on at 22, the bedroom door locked, but she is already in there with me in my bed, 16 and pissed off at the world. Alone and smiling, you have such a beautiful smile. If only we knew how she wanted a rusty treasure box to slam her lips off into upside down, backward positions of desperation, the hood mangled in the back seat, watching the trees slip past like a tunnel channeling her body into a world where apparently no meant yes. Commercialized, she could sell anything she didn't even know she had for the dismissal of her intelligence. It is the noise in the night, the one just before I closed my eyes. She was there giggling at my fear, my heart in her throat. That's how she likes me. So afraid I can barely dangle my leg over the edge of the bed to turn on the light to lock the door. I don't want to see her scowling at me in the mirror, so I lock the door, don't turn on the light, and rush back into the covers. I feel her eyes on me in the dark, and she has won. She has reminded me of my own powerlessness, and I am that little girl when no one will listen. All right. Hold them up, judges. One, two, three, four, five. It's an eight point three. And an eight point six. And a nine point oh. And an eight. And a nine point two. And a time on that one was three minutes and 42 seconds. Uh, 23.9 for Erin. Did you like the poem? <laughs> All right. All right. That's, that's what counts. Are we losing a judge? All right. I love it when that just happens and I don't have to do anything about it. That's a beautiful thing. Up next, Todd. Is Todd in the house? I like to watch people interacting. I like to observe men and women trying to get laid without seeming to want to get laid. I like to watch. There were two men and three women, the redhead with the red dress like the tall guy with the blue shirt. The married woman was just having fun, teasing, a threesome fantasy. 
They dance close. They dance with hands and lips and torsos. They dance like lovers, the three of them. But the last girl, the skinny blonde, she liked the guy with the sweater vest. I was dumbfounded. I was stunned. I could not believe my eyes. The pretty, skinny blonde liked the guy with the sweater vest. She sat in his lap and let him stroke her long, thick hair. She liked the sweater vest. There was a time when I was out there looking. The sweater vest would guarantee to keep the girls away. I mean, the sweater vest was a babe repellent. No man looking would dare wear the sweater vest to a bar. And I was 12 and wore the sweater vest my mom bought for me to school. I came home with a swollen eye and a bloody lip. I learned at the end of a fist that the sweater vest is taboo. The sweater vest is everything a boy is not supposed to be. It is clean and goes to church, earns pinched cheeks from ants proclaiming my cuteness. The sweater vest is the opposite of ripped jeans, t-shirts, and baseball caps. I learned at the end of the fist and I vowed never to wear the sweater vest again. This man never learned about the sweater vest. This man was wearing a sweater vest and was two smooth lines and three soft touches away from taking this woman home with him. I wanted to kick his ass. I wanted to teach him about the sweater vest. I wanted to teach him what I knew. The sweater vest was walking out the door with this girl. And there is a time just before closing, just before the last call for alcohol, there is a time when a man will take a woman home with him or stay to fight the other men. Stop! I screamed. Stop! I need to know. And the sweater vest stopped. And the girl looked at me with the same blue eyes that a moment ago had been removing the sweater vest from this man. What? She whispered in the same soft voice she used to whisper in the sweater vest ear. I need to know if you like the sweater vest. Do you like the man for the sweater vest or despite the sweater vest? Are you turned on by the sweater vest? Is it the sweater vest? I need to know. And she looked at me again with those blue eyes that would shortly be watching the sweater vest fall to the floor, and she laughed. The sweater vest has nothing to do with it. Judges, hold them up. You know, I remember my first sweater vest. <laughs> Never mind. Hold them up, judges. We got a 9.3, and a 9.8, and a 9.4, and a 9.8, and a 9.4. And the time was 2 minutes and 55 seconds. 28.6. Definitely the, the fastest calculating motherfucker I've ever seen. Thanks, Jeff. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. Next up. Greg Bliss. Yeah. Ten smiling Buddhas. 
I keep them all in a row. Pray to my Buddhas, they never say no. Let's do the Buddha what we did to Jesus Christ. Let's give him a channel and 50 bazillion dollars by next Friday. Because if you don't give me the goddamn money, I have received a vision from Buddha himself that Buddha will strike me dead. Praise Buddha. Buddha Khan, Buddha Khan, Shikabuddha, Shikabuddha, Buddha Khan. A Budicino Berry, Ben and Jerry's, and Jerry Garcia reincarnated as a triple scoop bowl of Budicino waiting for you to slide down Buddha's big blue ice cream ass. Okay, so Buddha, Mary and Jesus, Louis Farrakhan, Judas, and the original cast of hair are all playing bingo at St. Andrews. Farrakhan leaves early because there's too many honkies stinking up the place. Judas leaves shortly thereafter because Jesus keeps telling him what the next number will be. If there's one thing that pisses him off, it's a cheater. Buddha ends up hanging out with a cast of hair. They go smoke a big fat one with Mary, who keeps going on and on about how big God really is. <laughs> Buddha gets the munchies. They go raid Burger King. Meanwhile, Jesus knows what Buddha's up to, and it really pisses him off. I'll have my Buddha in a light cranberry sauce with the Chateau de Chateau. You've seen one Buddha, you've seen them all. Buddha bowling in a jumpsuit. Buddha skating a half pipe. Buddha sipping wine with assholes who shit golf balls. Buddha copping a field at Hooters. I mean, what are they going to do? He's Buddha. <laughs> Buddha laying at a nude beach next to his Buddha bitches. Hey, baby, we want to touch my Buddha? Buddha in a mosh pit, scaring the hell out of skinny punk rockers. Buddha knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been transcendental, so self-actualized for Buddha's sake. Gummy Buddhas, Beanie Buddhas, Roasted Alma Buddhas, Buddha and Laser Tag getting his ass kicked! <laughs> Skydiving Buddha, Bungee Buddha, Buddha reincarnated as a meat stick at a summer arts festival. Buddha, get your fat ass off the couch and clean the carport! <laughs> the 90-day Buddha diet! Put your hand on the television and touch the Buddha's belly. Mm, love your Buddha, love your Buddha! Irish river dance, blubber pounding Buddhas, Marilyn Manson shock rock Buddhas, Buddha getting naked for Howard Stern, Buddha, Tony Amos pissing and moaning Buddhas, uh, Almond Brother, redneck, southern countryfied, fat back and grits, racist Buddhas, shit kicking line dancing Buddhas, Buddha on the street calling asking for change Buddhas, rehab Buddha, drag Buddha, straight Buddha, curious Buddha, hip hop Buddha, techno Buddha, top 40 Buddha, show tune Buddha, classic Buddha, Buddha and Pamela Anderson videos Buddha, can't stop the Buddha Buddhas! Did I fail to mention Buddha, Buddha never asked you to die for him and he doesn't intend on returning the favor. <laughs> 10 laughing Buddhas, I keep them all in a row. Pray to my Buddhas. They never say no. A nine point two. Hold them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. We'll get a nine point six. We got a nine point seven and a ten and a ten. What's a goddamn transcendentalist or something? And uh, the time on that was three minutes and seven seconds. 
59.3. I knew a shit kicking line dancing Buddha once. Next up, Dawn. that short. I'm about that short. You see, I'm walking surrounded by the solemn medicine of time. Teaching me patience, it reveals my phobias. Left to unravel the confusion of a minefield mindscape. Left alone with my thoughts of escape, I contemplate the rationale behind revelations. The mystery thickening like my skin, rough with the callous recognition of my lies, enforcing my insecurity as I try to understand the contentment of comfort. Staying instead of leaving, I seem to have lost my idea of home. When self-destruction is dangerously close. I'm wearing pastel, but I feel like black leather. Uh, kissing bandit, I've tied myself to the tracks. The imprint of rails on my back, I think I secretly revel in shades of mediocrity. Let somebody else be the next Joni Mitchell. My bed is warm, the day is sad, and the words are not wrong, just never said. Because on this journey, traveling sideways, I close my eyes and reach for the silver-edged tongue, lashing my legs as I walk towards the light, blinding me like Saul turned Paul in the sand of Damascus. I turn away from safety, the virus of stagnation. I need to eliminate the recurring theme of undermining my respect, reflects the image of my own deception and runs me ragged, trying to deny that this is the truth. I'm a spinning top in the middle of a cliff drop with the realization that crashing is inevitable until I learn to fly. And out of scattered remnants of broken self-promises, I will rise and reach for my pen, allow release to come, free myself from the cycle, from these chains of different disappointing memories of failure cursing me because like a bad trip, it's all in my head. I need to. I need to transcend my belief in a quick fix, break through the barriers of my emotions running rampant, carving out the path of most resistance, a chasm left after the glacier melts. I will stand firm on crooked ground. I have transformed the trepidation of potential affliction into dynamic animation. I will become the butterfly, the wind, my companion. I will drink nectar and spread passion like wildflowers. I will run naked through a sunflower patch at sunrise and giggle uncontrollably at the sight of my pale ass, jiggling to the rhythms of nature's primal dance. As I strip away the layers of scales I should have shed long ago, the tears I should have left far behind, use like a crutch to cripple my intensity, keep my feet on the ground, my eyes refusing to see. I will rise above my... my I will rise above my weaknesses and deny my assumption of defeat. I will soar gracefully, land peacefully, and live the dream of a child knowing that I can do anything I want to when I grow up. Hold them up.
and a 9.1. And the time on that one was 2 minutes and 57 seconds. Give it up for Dawn. Yeah! 26.9. Next up. swanky martini joint, not my usual breed of haunt. Packed with overloud suits whose manicured hands are weighed down by chunks of gold and who own boats with names like Lady Luck. But it's an empty Friday night and restlessness pricks at my skin and besides, I know the band. So I wedge myself in between egos at the bar and guzzle beer slid my way by nods and winks until a subtle stir in the hazy mirror draws a glance over my shoulder to where the herd has parted, craned necks and glassy stares around a man laid out flat, the perfect ambient lighting highlighting his convulsions. The band skids to a ragged halt mere moments before paramedics push in to thump and shock the empty chest as snippets of what happened begin to sift through the throng and I hear that the poor bastard lay there for five faltering minutes, not breathing because no one would risk mouth-to-mouth -mouth with no mask. And I wonder, fuming, why the hell no one yelled the second the guy toppled, but it's now a moot point, because the ambulance is prying itself off the curb with no scarlet lights stabbing into the dark. So I stride through the neon-tinted mist out back at the bar, a cigar thrust between my clenched teeth, trying to blow away the clinging image of the man's boot heels, drumming an uneven counterpoint against the carpet to the background rhythm of the blues. Or the one my still-too-sober imagination has conjured up, of Lansing's finest paying a 2 a.m. house call to a bleary-eyed woman whose knees crumple once shock seeps through her sleep. And I spit smoke at the river that spangles in the streetlights like somebody tossed out diamonds with their cigarette butts and straw wrappers. And the quiet beauty of it registers just as my musician friend murmurs, you know, every breath is a gift. So we shrug off the gloom and shoulder our way back into a crowd thick with the uneasy tension of desperate laughter, and I squeeze into the gap between the chairs that serves as the dance floor and fling myself into the arms of a sly in the family stone cover, stomping and swaying and sweating until every last gift burns in my pounding chest. How much can you stand? Hold up them scores, judges. We got a 9.4. 
and a 9.5, and a 9.5, and a 9.5, and a 9.6. Let's hear it. Come on. You guys got some energy left. It's barely 10.30. Come on. I'm drinking too much or not enough. And we got, you know, three more poets to go and a train, apparently. Two minutes, 30 seconds. Okay. 28.5 for carrying. Give it up. Okay. Uh, let's give it up for the train because... Uh, I ain't got nothing else to say. We're just going to take a little itty tiny teeny break while that annoying motherfucker goes by. Well, maybe it's not going to be that bad. Well, it's pretty quiet. That was okay. The list is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. We're almost done with the second round. Well, next up, Chris. I'm afraid I'm going to be asleep when the bomb goes off because I'll probably just think it's one of my roommates. Nocturnal emissions echoing through the old thin walls and I'll just roll over back to sleep when bang, the afterblast kills us all. I'm afraid I'm going to be walking by the porn rack at the rinky-dink downtown news agency when a hell-hot bullet from a just-breaking gunfight comes screaming in through the countless pages of dime-a-copy trash and jumps lead first straight through my heart, leaving my mother to read, Innocent bystander killed while perusing pornography. <laughs> and there I am in wrinkled out-of-focus newsprint, my mangled wreckage hulked over the back issues of jugs galore. I'm afraid this Mer space station thing has some sort of super heat-sensitive rivet, and it's holding everything together. And one of those little suckers is going to come loose due to some major botch royale by some overpaid, undereducated space cadet. And it's going to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere without evaporating. And I'll have just seen the woman of my dreams. And just as the mystical glory of love at first sight bursts into her eyes, I'll be struck by the fucking highly efficient, poorly managed space rivet, decapitated instantaneously. I'm afraid... There's a person in this room right now who shared a plane with some lady from some clean, fancy place in Europe who had a layover in Milwaukee with an African gentleman who had been on a jungle excursion when he was bit by some sort of bacteria-breeding insect carrying some sort of mutant form of the Ebola virus which is spreading through everyone's lungs right now and will wipe out the entire Western Hemisphere in exactly 29 hours, 14 minutes, and 17 seconds. I'm afraid I'm going to go out like Mama Cass choking on a chicken bone at the height of my career. I'm afraid this is the height of my career. And when it comes right down to it, I'm afraid when it's time for me to bend over backwards and kiss my ass goodbye, I'm just not going to be flexible enough anymore and break my damn neck trying. Come to find out, I was just getting a little paranoid again. Sound a little tense, Chris. Judges, hold up your scores. Let's see them. One, two, three, judges. Nine point four. 
come on, come on. Uh, do we have everybody? One, two, three, four. Come on. Hold it. Keep them up. Keep them up. Don't think about it too long. Thank you very much. 9.4, 9 9.6, 9 9.3, 9, 9.10, 9 and a 9.5. No, 9.10 doesn't work. What is it? Oh, okay, that was an 8. Okay, so that's a 9.9. .9. I told you with the decimals. I told. I warned you. I told you. Did you get them all? Did you get them? Time two oh one. Twenty eight point five for Chris. Okay, we got two more to go, which is a good thing because my decongestants are wearing out. Next up is Beth. One day I'll figure this out. I believe in God, he announced one night at dinner. I talked to God. He chewed and smoked simultaneously. I talked to him yesterday while I was digging in my garden. I looked up at the sky and I said, God, why do you make my life so terrible? And he said, because, Ken Vollmer, I hate you. <laughs> On my 13th birthday, hair up and lips out, already full of hips, I leaned forward on the red leather and gave him my birthday wish. Please don't smoke tonight. Without a word, he punched the car lighter, smacked his pack on the dashboard, cracked the cellophane seal, and licked the filtered tip. He looked like he wanted to swallow it whole, and the smoke slid over his shoulder like swearing under his breath. Last words my father ever said to me were, I haven't had anything to eat all day but a banana. Now and then I imagine, he said, I love you, Beth. Thoughts split like tree trunks, slick and mossy. I trip through this garden of broken bricks I've planted where thick stalks of him sprout scratchy branches. His fist stuck through the new hole of the hallway wall. My mother pressed against the molding of the closet door, wrist to shoulder blade twisted on the floor. His heavy chest rested, heartbeat throbbed in the marrow of my bones. And I can't seem to leave this alone. When my grandfather died, my dad picked out a coffin, picked out a suit, told the mortician's beautician to comb the hair. And I walked through the church to the old man's body, displayed convincingly beneath Christ's crucifix. I kissed his white, waxy forehead, fingered the flossy stitches between his lips, and took his hand in mine. Yellow and swollen with formaldehyde, I wanted to prick his skin and watch him trickle down the aisle. Maybe he would pop. All that pressure piled behind parted lips, ready to burst, leaving everyone suddenly, obviously drenched in death, and a flimsy skin sack like a wet latex sheet draped modestly over Christ's body. When my father died, we put his ashes in a marble urn, wrapped it in his bathrobe, and let him keep his side of the bed. 
We still needed his body, addicted to his presence, even though his mind had been gone for years. Because he should have died on that bathroom floor, head in a porcelain bowl, when I tried to be his hero and rescue him. I lay him on his back and tried to breathe for him when I should have been picking out ties, making crosses over his body, dull and bony as a six-foot tombstone. I should have prayed. On my knees, hands clasped over his heart, I pumped the empty hollow of his chest, waiting for God to reach down and do something for anything but this still-life photo of a black and white man lying naked on the floor. I should have helped him die better, covered him with a bone-dust-colored sheet and sprinkled dirt. Just hold him up. We've got a nine point two and a nine point six and a nine point six and a nine point eight and a ten. Don't talk to the scorekeeper, Todd. Fuck off. <laughs> and the time on that one was three minutes and 16 seconds. I know, I forgot somebody. I know. Yeah, man. I ran out of, yeah. I told you I was running low on decongestants. 28.5 for Beth. Okay, so now if... If we were at the Nationals and I made a mistake like this, I'd have to give up a testicle. And whichever one, you know, is, I don't know. But anyway, I forgot James. James? James? I know. I think we're the same height, so I think I can do this. To Langston, to America, you have impacted on me like a meteor to the moon. You have carved and caressed a creative sense in my consciousness, some of which I don't understand or love or love to hate or love to forget and not remember. I don't understand from my hands why I write what I do, why so often others alienate me, but some would accept me for what I am. Are we not of the same human race? Do I not have 64 chromosomes, 32 from my mother, 32 from my father? If we go back far enough, we are descendants from something far greater than which we understand. We wish aliens to come visit us, yet we alienate ourselves amongst each other. Must everything be classified, coded within the Dewey Decimal System? Does this really help us? I feel it hurts us more in the end. Or love, my race, my face, my culture for all of its beauty, its glory, its understandings. I want my ancestors to be part of me. To know their bloodshed was not in vain. I feel their pain. Tears fall like raindrops in the rain. Tears of madness, tears of sadness, tears of blue, tears of me, tears of you. Love to hate, what a juxtaposition. Thoughts that brought us here against our real thoughts that chain us today. 
and yesterday against our free will that are so eloquently stated in the preamble. We hold these two truths to be self-evident. I don't have to tell you what Martin has already told you. I am not looking for a handout for retribution for slavery that personally did not encompass me, but culturally and historically it does. So where do we go from here, America? I'd love to forget the large cry of size of my ancestors' eyes, who struggled so much in this country to, to receive so much more. Today we, 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 today we receive so much more and we struggle so less. Or how the state of Mississippi had 40, 40 legal lynchings in a year. But today when I look in the mirror, I see corporate crack, capitalism crack. The stone not only kills two birds with one stone, but kills the community. And my community is your community, is America's community. But blacks kill more blacks today. And what do we say? Man, we ain't make them AKs. Do you think if banning guns is the answer, if you take away my Second Amendment, you might not stop with that one? If you can't keep drugs out of this country, what do you think you're going to do about guns? Wake up and smell the cannabis. It's a big fucking joke. But America did not stop when my ninth grade friend was paralyzed from the waist down and gunned down or my cousin Demetrius was stabbed by another country doing the B&E. No ABC, no CBS, no CNBC ever came to mourn with me. Man, not even BET. As I perch here at the Sankofa Bird does, Malcolm softly, soulfully, powerfully speaks to me and says, the chickens have come home to roost, my brother. The chickens have come home to roost. Right on. That's <laughs> your fault, man. It's all you. Is there water in there? Is there water in there? Is there water in there? Good. Hold them up, judges. Just because I'm taking a break doesn't mean you can. We got a 9.2 and a 9 and a 9.2. And an 8.6 and a 9.3. And the time on that was three minutes and nine seconds. 27.4 for James. Let's give it up, boy. Man, we are going to have a kick-ass team this year. No doubt about it. We got one left for the second round. So give it up for him. Dan. Yeah, yeah. Fucking last. Am I going first next week? So I'm last this week and weird. Okay. Sorry, I just had to know. <clears throat> just once, 
I'd like you to see me alone in a room with a guitar and an amp as loud as the devil and clean as the Lord. And I'm playing this riff like a thunderclap hard and I love it and I need it and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once. And it hurts like a python wrapped around my forearm and it hurts like wire whips tearing at my fingertips and I love it and I need it and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once. I'd like you to see me alone in a room with a guitar and an amp as loud as the devil and clean as the Lord and I'm playing this riff like a thunderclap hard and I love it like a thunderclap hard and I love it and I need it and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once and it hurts like a python wrapped around my forearm and it hurts like wire whips tearing at my fingertips and I love it and I need it and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once. I'd like you to see me alone in a room with a guitar and an amp as loud as the devil and clean as the Lord and I'm playing this riff like a thunderclap hard and I love it like a thunderclap hard and I love it like a thunderclap hard and I love it and I need it and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once and it hurts like a python wrapped around my forearm and it hurts like wire whips tearing at my fingertips and I love it and I need it and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once. I'd like you to see me alone in a room with a girl and a problem. As dark as midnight and clear as a song and I'm trying to help like a matador tries and I love her and I need her and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I keep fucking it up and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once and it hurts like a daydream running through my memory and it hurts like my vanity pulls me towards insanity and I love her and I need her and I can't stop until I get it right all the way through just once. All righty. Judges. One, two, three. Come on. Nine, four, five. Okay. We got a 9.4 and a 9.6 and a 9.7 and a 9.8. And the nine point eight. Two minutes, thirteen seconds. Twenty nine point one for Dan Stevens. That's it. It's it's done till next week. But I you got one more? You you did you? He does. Is he ready? Did he did you find it? Oh you found it. You found it. Right on. That's what we need to finish off the show. Let's hear it for your time. So I I have to say that this is a really, really fun venue, like city packed with lots of really cool poets. And 
moreover, I th- I think that you guys are just like, really fun. I mean, more I mean, almost more important than like the people, the individual poems that like come and go across the stage. But like the sort of vibe and energy from the crowd is really fun. So um, I will I, I I will have to add my voice to the chorus of people who say you must go to Kalamazoo and read there because it's really kick ass. Um, so. Um, that in Columbus, which I actually had a really good time in Columbus, of all things. Um, I found the, the breast thing. Um, this is really a little story. I mean, this is kind of a story. So you're getting a story from me now. And the title of the story is uh, Never Date an Autobiographical Poet. Sorry, Jesse. This is not in my chat book, um, because, well, you'll see. I was 19, and there was this period in my life, a period of some uh, three years, where I seriously lost touch with reality. Now, this manifested itself in several ways, but mostly I failed to notice a host of things. It never occurred to me, for example, that my girlfriend and I had no business being in the same room, uh, let alone a relationship. (laughs) But I was so love-struck, so starry-eyed. Who cared, so young, who cared if she was some 27-year-old, new-age, single-mother, Scientologist, anti-choice Republican... Sure, I was five years younger and a liberal Jew. But somehow, we made it all work out. I mean, I was sprung like a Balinese tiger trap, and that's all there was to it. Sure, there were some worries, but what did it matter, I thought, when we could frolic in the park like lovers in a Syrah painting, when we could lie in bed all day, listen to pop songs, suddenly sparkle with incandescent meaning. Okay, like I said, there was a period in my life, a period of some three years, where I seriously lost touch with reality. (laughs) There was this period in my life where I seriously lost touch with the female breast because my 27-year-old new age Scientologist single mother and a choice Republican was very sensitive about her body. And even though her body would derail a train, and even though in other respects she was as passionate as I could possibly imagine, and even though it went out for three years, and in those three years I had viewed, touched, caressed, tasted, and or otherwise been in intimate contact with every other square inch of her body, and even though I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over her, and she said she was in love with me, and, and, and we were in this three-year relationship, three fucking years of commitment, three years, even though, even though, even though, she wouldn't let me touch her breasts. Not even look at them. Do you know what this means? In the three years that I went out with her, she never took off her bra in my presence. Well, maybe once or twice, but only then in complete darkness, and only then if I kept my hands explicitly to myself. And even if her bra, and her shirt for that matter, was on, I couldn't touch her breasts through the fabric. Eventually, after close to two years, we progressed to the point where I could touch 
the general chest area if my hand were moving from one place on her body to another. They just couldn't linger. And if I was kissing her neck, I could alter course and kiss her shoulder and move down and even get precariously close to her nipple. But she always stopped me, always. And it got to the point where I wondered if maybe, maybe there wasn't something physiologically wrong with her. Maybe it went beyond odd color to misshaping areolas. Maybe her breasts were horribly deformed. Maybe she didn't have any nipples at all. So I asked her this once. She said, yes, she had nipples. No, her breasts were not horribly deformed. I asked her if she had been like this with other boyfriends. And she said, no. It was only with me. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I am not a breast fetishist. I am not what HBO might call a breast man. I don't really care about endowments beyond the NEA. And anyway, I don't really believe in segmentizing or dehumanizing people in this way. In fact, I tried as best I could not to make a big deal out of it. But really, <laughs> all I wanted was to see, touch, possibly taste her breast as I would any other part of her being because uh, we said we were in love and I wanted to be naked next to her and for once have her naked next to me too. All I wanted was mutual vulnerability. One moment, one goddamn instant, one motherfucking unbridled moment of unabashed personal intimacy. Was that too fucking much to ask? Jesse. <laughs> I know you once dyed your pubic hair pink. Anyway. Was that too much to ask? Apparently so. Because to this day, her breasts remain as unseen and mysterious to me as the inner workings of the cosmos itself.